Welcome to Capital Radio by C-Funds. I'm Liz. And I am Lika. And in this podcast, we demystify the world of private equity and venture capital. As a globally active fund placement agency, every day we meet interesting people from all over the world. We want to share their stories with you. Our guests are experienced investors and fund managers that will tell us what it takes to enter the black box of private equity. Today's guest is Marcel Lubbe, who is active as a partner at Brightlands Venture Partners. Marcel joined BVP in 2020, and he has a track record in the bio-based circular economy and the pharma and biotech space. He's a board member and advisor to several companies worldwide. He was MD at Advantium, president of Reverdia, and held various VP roles at DSM, corporate VC, licensing, marketing and sales, and business development. Marcel holds a PhD from the University of Groningen in organic chemistry. Welcome, Marcel. Thank you. Glad to be on the show. Great to have you here with us. Okay, Marcel, well, let's kick off. As Lika just mentioned in, in the introduction, uh, you know, we understand you completed your PhD in organic chemistry, so you're actually a doctor, and you have quite a diverse career background. Could you maybe tell us a bit about that background and how you ended up working at Brightlands Venture Partners? Yeah, with pleasure. Indeed, when you do a PhD, and that was uh, more than 25 years ago, you work on developing new science and uh, that has created a strong belief in me that uh, there's probably going to be a technical solution to almost uh, any problem. You know, it might take a while, it might take five years, it might take 10 years, but uh, solutions uh, will emerge. That's that's a big belief in my system. And when you start um, working for a big chemical company, uh, as I did after my PhD, company called DSM and, and make a career in R&D and, and business development, uh, well, you learn a few other things. And for example, paying attention to economics, uh, details, uh, matter and implementation. You work with teams, you work with people, there's company politics going on. So, so I guess by that time, I was still very optimistic about technological solutions, but I was also more realistic about what it takes to get from invention to innovation in, in a corporation. By that time, I got involved with uh, with growth companies. So, for example, I was leading a technology alliance with uh, a biopharmaceutical company, Crucel, in Leiden, Netherlands. We had a joint uh, licensing program. And, um, well, the energy and the entrepreneurship in that company was really contagious and, and helped me to see another side next to what I was used to, a big corporate. Next, I became managing director of DSM Venturing, DSM's venture capital fund, and I got exposed to even more startups and, and growth companies. And I've always found that the energy of the startups is so addictive. And when I had the chance to to lead a um, internal startup by myself, it was a joint venture of DSM and Roquette, and we were making bio-based succinic acid, which was an alternative to petrol-based chemicals. I took it with both hands. I also enjoyed my time at Avantium, leading a business unit there for renewable polymers. Uh, We were making an alternative to uh, PET, used in in bottles and, and, and films. And about two years ago, with all of that experience, I got reacquainted with uh, Brightlands Venture Partners. I knew them well since many, many years, and I've always been impressed by what the team has done and uh, and what impact they've created in uh, health and sustainability. So I, I decided to join. 
Nice. And currently Brightlands is already raising its fourth fund, which is quite impressive. Could you explain how the current fund has evolved from the previous three funds and then specifically in terms of, for example, geographic focus? Yeah, absolutely. You're right. When we started in 2004, Brightlands Venture Partners was uh, focused very much on the south of the Netherlands, building on strength in chemistry. There was a lot of chemical activities close by, for example, corporates like DSM, Sabic, OCI, Arlang Seo. Uh, there was also a strong focus on health, clear link with the Maastricht Health Campus. After that, even uh, agri-food was added as a sector, a link with the uh, Venlo Greenport campus. So the south of the Netherlands was really the, the start, I think, of, um, of Brightlands Venture Partners. And, and I think Brightlands Venture Partners is still very important to the south of the Netherlands. And we have um, created new clusters, for example, in cell therapy, bio-based circular chemistry. Uh, we've done 46 investments to date, created over a thousand jobs, and, and we helped uh, incorporate nine production companies. So there's something about the importance of what we have created. Uh, but nonetheless, we have decided to broaden our horizon and, 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 and um, to, to, to the rest of the Netherlands, to Belgium, to adjacent parts of Germany. During the last couple of years, we are already doing investments there. And why, why these regions? because we also believe in proximity and we want to be able to to be there when needed work with the leadership teams of the startups and also provide useful connections close by so proximity matters is something that we live by but we do it broader than we used to be on, on a geographical note interesting and marcel can i ask when you speak about proximity matters do you often see kind of yeah cross-border collaboration between some of the companies that you work with? So from the South Netherlands into Belgium or, or Germany, for example, or are all of the kind of investments you make and the work that you do with the firms quite separate, geographically speaking? No, we, 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 we do see that. And we see sometimes companies that have been, um, that, that started in the Netherlands and um, have renewable chemistry or, for example, um, circular materials as their theme, and they're happy to come to uh, the area here. For example, Ionica is a company that uh, develops uh, a technology for recycling PET from the from the well-known PET bottles. And um, by coming here, they were sort of um, yeah incorporating themselves in an environment that knows about chemistry, that knows about recycling, where there's a lot of um, you know knowledge available for these startups to. Uh, to, to, to bank on. Yeah. Um, we've also seen companies from, for example, the University of Aachen, who have been incorporated there, cross-border, that have decided to move to the Netherlands or, or stay in Aachen and have links with uh, companies in the Netherlands. I mean, it's all good. We don't require them to move. That is not what we do. We just want to make sure that they're embedded and that there's connections and that they can grow and reduce their time to market, that is that is what is important to us. Yeah. And you you're building up the ecosystem in, in that sense. So exactly. that that's excellent. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well maybe if we could even take a, a bit of a step back. I understand your investment thesis is divided into kind of three themes. Could you maybe explain to our listeners what those focus areas are? Yeah, absolutely. The first one is um, renewable chemistry and circular materials. We're talking about technologies that are going to remove our 
addiction to oil. Chemical industry uses uh, fossil feedstock, oil, gas, coal, sometimes to uh, to make their products. We invest in technologies that either use bio-based materials or recycle existing polymers into new monomers and polymers. So what we do with these technologies is really help us get off of our addiction of, uh, of oil and move to renewable resources. And that really helps to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And it also helps to reduce uh, pollution in, uh, in general. So the, 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 the second sector is, uh, is health. And within health, we have uh, selected a, a specific niche. And that niche is, um, is, is cell therapy and biomedical materials. Why that? That is basically, these are basically technologies that help the body restore its own function. And that is, to us, a very promising uh, and very interesting niche. And so we have a company called Neuroplast, for example, that has a technology for restoring spinal cord. Uh, and we even have a company called Mana Biotech that we recently invested in that has a technology for restoring hair growth. So everything, all technologies, whether it's cell therapy, whether it's advanced biomedical materials that help the body restore its original function, that is what we see as a very important field going forward. The third one is in uh, agri-food. These are technologies for producing uh, nutritious food, but with respect for nature, humans, and animals. And, and this can be, for example, soil remediation. And we have a company called SoilWise that does that. It can be, for example, Kipster, which is a company that has the first carbon neutral, chicken-friendly poultry farming. And it go, goes all the way to a healthy recipe personalization. And that's a recent investment that we did in Vertify. So these are basically our three uh, sectors that we invest in. Yeah, nice, nice. And um, as you just discussed this, it's clear that all of them have societal relevance to them. Yeah. And uh, you also got yourself an impact fund. So before we dive more into that, you are officially an Article 9 fund. Could you perhaps explain to the listener shortly what it means to be an Article 9 fund? Well, it means that um, you are committed to impact and doing impact investments will also measure yourself on a regular interval and to check and to make sure that you are doing impact investments. It's not just an intention. It is an intention plus check. Right. Sorry, uh, Lika, go on. Uh, you, you, were, you wanted to ask a question. I think I was, I was, <laughs> I was going too fast. This was kind of uh, yeah, an intro to the question, I guess, with regard to the different themes that you work on. I can imagine that, for example, reducing CO2 emissions and, on the other hand, saving human lives are completely different types of impact. So how do you work with that, define it and uh, measure it? Yeah, I think that's an excellent question because indeed all of the three sectors are, are, are different. So what we do is um, we measure both environmental impact as well as social impact, but we do that on four dimensions. So we look at environment, we look at health, we look at society and we look at knowledge. So what does every company contribute to those four dimensions? And it could well be that, for example, a company in uh, renewable chemistry contributes very well to environment, society, and knowledge, but not so much to health. 
On the other end, if you have a company that is active in the um, cell therapy, it contributes significantly to health, society, also knowledge, but not so much to the environment. All of them, by this methodology and by looking at these four dimensions, get an overall score. By doing that, you can sort of compare them and create a very balanced view of all of your portfolio companies. And then you can also do that in your fund because your fund is basically a collection of multiple uh, portfolio companies on a weighted average. So we we do it on a portfolio company basis as well as on a fund basis. Great. And Marcel, did you put together this framework specifically for this Article 9 reporting or are these kind of four dimensions something that you've worked with from the outset? Because I can imagine this whole environmental SDG reporting has really evolved over the over the time that Brightlands has been operational for. Yeah, at what point, and I guess in your in the journey of Brightlands, did this kind of lens come into play? Yeah, I mean, we were we were doing impact investments from the from beginning, the early onset. That has <laughs> yeah. always been in our in our DNA, you know. Of course, um, but but we never we never measured it. We saw that a lot of fund managers around us were specifically starting to measure it becoming an article nine fund and we felt we didn't do ourselves a favor by not not becoming an article nine fund and it's actually quite easy for us as a fund that is already doing uh, impact investments and has that in, in its dna so so we decided to do that and we teamed up with a um, party that um, has helped us to uh, to set this up i mean this is not something you uh want to invent yourself as a, as a fund manager and uh, there's there's good companies out there that have a lot of expertise and yeah have, have helped us set this up and we are now in the process of implementing that fantastic and the reception from the lps so your lps and your fund have they given you any guidance on the kind of things they would like to see in this article 9 reporting or are they just happy to take your steer on um, what you choose to report on, and and then they feed that back to to their own processes. I mean, there there are certain requirements, of course, that uh, that need to be um, reported, whether it's uh, EU taxonomy and whether it's uh, SFDR uh, sort of guidelines. So certain things are more or less a given, right? And when it comes to to impact, yeah, you know, we've we've chosen this uh, multifaceted. Uh, approach of, uh, of looking at environment and looking at health, looking at society, looking at knowledge. Yeah, when we talk to uh, to our portfolio companies, they get really enthusiastic about that because, you know, for them, it's also a way to show what sort of impact they are bringing to society. And they've not always focused on that because they focused on progress and doing technological breakthroughs, finding first customers, but then also telling an impact story has not always been a focus for them, and this really helps them to uh, to to bring that to to their investors as well. So that that's good. It's also we found a nice way of starting a dialogue. And so, for example, we had a company that was very much focused on. Now I'm going to leave that, but 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 what it does is it's it's it it should be seen as a as a verdict. I mean, when you do a net impact score, you get a certain you there there's a certain result. But that's not the end of it. Mm. That is just a moment in time. And it actually helps sometimes to have startups pivot or focus on different items. Or that we say, well, maybe 
And you should not focus so much on animal nutrition, but more on human nutrition, because that's what's going to make a difference. And that's where we believe the food system is going to move towards anyways, right? So so that is really, it's, it's, a, it's a discussion tool. And um, yeah, for LPs, it's a really convincing methodology because it actually shows methodology to, I mean, they like the stories. They like, of course, what we do in terms of impact. Uh, they like the anecdotes. They like the storytelling. But when it comes to measuring, people also like that. And it, uh, it also yeah, provides them with a tool of seeing how good we are doing, not just that we are doing well, but also to what extent. Yeah, really interesting to see how funds kind of navigate into this new space and how, how it's getting formed. And Marcel, you already touched upon this, but when you speak about some of your portfolio companies, I think the story really, really comes to life. Would it be possible to give an example of one of your portfolio companies? For example, one that we think is pretty cool, the company that develops lab-grown leather. Yeah, that is really cool. That is an investment that we did last year. It's a company called the Quarium. Before Quarium was started, there was uh, Moza Meat, and it's it's still there. And that's a company doing cell-based meat. You, you can imagine that the spin-off of that technology is cell-based leather. You mean if you, and it is real leather, it's not artificial leather. It is real leather, but it doesn't require to kill an animal, or it doesn't require to hold a lot of animals with all the associated greenhouse gas emissions like co2 methane nox that's not needed so it's 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 the real letter but basically without so many cows so there's a lot of interest in this from uh, from car companies for example you can imagine that uh, they are on a fantastic journey for electrification they replace a lot of their plastics by uh, bio-based plastics but they're still using cow-based leather. Well, if we can, if, we, if this company can help them to move to cell-based leather, that's huge. And obviously, there's also significant interest by uh, luxury goods companies, for example, bags and everything. So that's that's also. So they have a lot of interest uh, to to in, in what they develop. Uh, so another example is uh, is High to Care. Uh, that's a company that is developing a solution to cartilage damage for example cartilage in your knees that is caused by running for many many years I, i've had that problem myself and um, it means that if you if you run your cartilage is so thin that it starts to hurt and it's it's unpleasant to the point that you can no longer run what this company high to care is doing they're developing a hydrogel that can be injected into the knee and it stimulates the body to repair the damaged cartilage and so people can uh, start walking or running without pain again that's not a done deal yet the clinical trials have uh, just started but we feel that this is a very promising uh, investment that can uh, touch the life of many people and you'll be first uh, first in the line marcel after it's past clinical trials will you <laughs> Yeah, probably, probably. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Exciting. I, uh, I, I love my running, but I'm just hiking now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be great. Absolutely. Yeah. The, that's sounds like it's close to close to you. So that's, yeah, must also be a really satisfying thing to to be able to invest in, in companies that, you know, have an impact on a lot of people, but of course yourself included. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a third example from the agri-food sector yes. is uh, AVL Motion. That's a company that is developing machines for what we call selective autonomous harvesting. For example, their first uh, machine is an asparagus har harvesting machine. Asparagus has always been harvested by, by humans, and it required humans from other parts of Europe that were difficult to find. And also the labor conditions for these people were not always very pleasant. It's very strenuous labor. So this really solves both of these issues, the shortage of, uh, of labor, but also the labor conditions for the, for the workers. And um, so this is something that uh, is really, really exciting. Super. I think as um, so, I'm I'm originally from New Zealand, so we have asparagus there. Ah. But I I've never seen so many people get so excited about white asparagus, which is the the Dutch delicacy, right, Marcel? <laughs> <laughs> that is right, and uh, the the season is coming. I uh, I was e I was eating out last night, and uh, I uh, I had my first uh, fresh asparagus soup. Oof, so nice, was delicious. nice. The, the white yeah. gold they call it, right? Yeah. <laughs> the the white gold and. Uh, Especially in this region, I think yeah. it, is, uh, it is very famous. Yeah. Super. Right, Marcel, you know, we'll take the opportunity to ask one last question to round off this part of, of today's discussion, and it's looking forward to the future. You know, you mentioned at the very beginning that you believe there's kind of a technical solution to every problem. Um, and I'm really curious to hear kind of your view on where you see kind of the areas that you invest in going over, over the next 10 years and also what's Brightland's role to play in that. Well, I think I think we've shown that um, combination of impact and financial return is is possible. Right? So we've demonstrated that over the last eighteen years, the sectors that we've chosen, agri-food, renewable chemistry, health, are sectors that we are committed to remain active in, and we see enormous opportunity and technological development in these sectors. We will further expand our LP base uh, with with people for which these sectors resonate. And we're doing that right now because we're in the process of uh, expanding our fund four to a second closing. Yeah, the coming years, even with our new funds, we will keep on doing that. And uh, we might move to more thematic funds. So for example, a specialized renewable chemistry, specialized health funds, but that is still to be seen. Uh, but anyways, we will keep doing impact investments in all of these three sectors while generating financial and strategic return for our LPs. Perfect. <laughs> that sounds like a really, really good uh, good tagline. And yeah, I think we're really looking forward to continuing following you on your journey. This was also the end of the first part of the interview, Marcel. So thanks a lot for all your insights. And now we'll move to the second part, which is the fire rounds. So we will start with a couple of really short questions where you can just answer the first thing that pops up in your head. And then the last part is called overrated or underrated, where you just have to answer with overrated or underrated. So if you're ready, then we'll get started. Okay. What is your morning coffee order? <laughs> it depends. At home, it's an espresso for sure. When I'm in the office, it's a flat white. Great. And Marcel, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? It's the superpower to speed up. We're often in technological developments that take many, many years, and that doesn't bode well with my with my impatience. So, <laughs> if there was a way to really accelerate technological development, I would sign up. Nice. And what book are you currently reading? Oh, that's uh, 
the book is called Thinking Fast and Slow. Oh, it's nice. Daniel Kahneman, and I've uh, just started it, but uh, it has already given me quite some insights that, uh, yeah, you should not always be a victim of your own thoughts, but there's, uh, there's always a way of uh, stopping for a moment and uh, asking yourself how you're going to deal with a certain issue. Yeah, it's a good book. I've, I've also read that one. Um, and the final question, good. Marcel, the three traits that make a successful GP in your eyes. That's a, a, a nose for recognizing good deals. It is the way to talk about these deals and the companies in the public domain, getting people enthusiastic. And the third one is to be able to convey that enthusiasm to your LPs and raise money in the end. I mean, because without that, it's not going to be a very successful fund. Super. Yeah. Right from beginning to end. I like it. Alrighty. Marcel, now we'll just move to the very last part, which Lika mentioned is kind of an overrated or underrated quick fire round. So I'm just going to say a topic and if you could immediately fire back with whether you think it's overrated or underrated. Alrighty. So the first topic is a 2% GP commitment. Um, that's underrated. Right. And Twitter? Overrated. What about Koningsdag or King's Day? It's overrated. <laughs> wow. An in-person portfolio company due diligence? Underrated. Great. And what about oat milk? <laughs> well, it's underrated for sure. Right. And uh, impact investing events? Underrated. Nice. And finally, what about a bitterbollen? The Dutch it's delicacy. Underrated. <laughs> underrated. As long as it's vegan, bit of ball. Yeah, of course. The vegan ones are super good, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice. Exactly. So oat and bit of ball are all, all good with me. But, uh, but, but, but bit of ball, I have to give the addition that it's, it should be right, vegan. Right, right. Good nose. Well, I mean, or, or, or vegetarian. But. Yeah, good options. Nice. Well, thanks so much, Marcel, for the interview. Um, it was really great having you as a guest and um, yeah thanks thanks for all your insights no problem I enjoyed it